Mission of Wisdom Awakening. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Great to be with you again this morning, and I hope you're having a great day already. It's still early, but I hope you're getting off to a great start. I will be with uh, my good friend Andrew Womack at, uh, at uh, Karis College uh, at the Truth and Liberty <clears throat> Conference tomorrow and, uh, and Saturday. And for those of you who are coming, I'll look forward to seeing you there. For those of you who live in the area, Come on by. We'd love to have you join in with us as we talk about the importance of truth as the essential foundation of liberty. We're going to have a great time, great speakers, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Honored to be a part of it. I want to mention to you that uh, this is, of course, of course, Celebrate American History Month. And what really strikes me this morning is the fact that we really do have a crime epidemic in our country right now, a crime epidemic. I am finding, and I don't know whether this is true for you or not, but I am finding myself thinking more about the potential of encountering crime as I go about my daily business. I never thought much about that throughout my entire life. I'm thinking about that more today because crime has become so rampant and the, the, the boldness and the brazenness of criminals has become so prevalent that I think all of us are probably thinking more about what we do if we encounter some criminal, some attempt to carjack you, uh, some attempt to rob your house, some attempt to rob you when you're out on the street. And remember, this stuff is happening in broad daylight it's happening in populated areas uh, or just some just some irrational, senseless, random attack for fun, because a lot of that is happening where it's clear that there's no robbery motive, just a desire to hurt someone. It's it is it is bizarre. Frankly, it is demonic. And, and here's the, the, the question I want to put to you. Uh, as we, here again, I, you'll see how I relate this to celebrate American History Month. But here's the question I want to put to you. Why would you think any of our authorities would allow this to happen with these very radical policies, no bail, pleading down felonies to misdemeanors, allowing the person to be released immediately back on the street, I'm sure you all saw the news. If you haven't, you'll see it today that a young man with a very serious record who was let out early went on a crime spree, killed four people, injured three more. And this wasn't a mass shooting in a location. He was just going around shooting people down in Memphis. And authorities have admitted that had he not been released, he was, he was out apparently on parole. Had he not been released, he would still be in other words, released on parole, he was still scheduled to be in prison. His sentence is not yet served. And now four people are dead. Criminals are going to do what criminals do. The question that this poses for us is, why are our authorities, why are elected officials, why are people in these important positions allowing this to happen or, or, or frankly, facilitating it? helping it by constantly defending the criminal and ignoring victims. So let me point out a couple of things about this. One is 
the primary victims of these crimes are black Americans. Not solely, not exclusively, of course, because frankly, the crime is spilling out now beyond the inner city and it's touching people no matter where you are. And it's spilling into downtown areas, it's spilling into suburban areas. Uh, some of these carjackers are following people to their suburban homes and robbing them when they get out of their cars to go inside. Uh, so it, it's, it's gotten ridiculous. But nevertheless, the overwhelming majority of people who are beset with murder, rapes, robberies, are people living in the inner cities themselves. Now you would think, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you think that given the obsession that certain elements of our society have with somehow writing what they see as all the historical wrongs against black folks and other minorities, that they would say this is unacceptable, that too many people are dying, that too many people are being injured, that too many people in these communities are being hurt. We gotta do something about this. But do you notice you never hear them talk that way? I mean, just stop and think about that for a moment. People who are obsessed with what they claim is racial justice, social justice, well, the most unjust thing that can happen is for an innocent person to have their life taken. That's the most unjust thing that can happen. Would you agree? I mean, there's nothing more unjust than that. That's more unjust than losing your property, losing your life to some thug who ought to be in jail. There's nothing more unjust than that. But do you notice there is no hue and cry coming out of the mainstream media, coming out of the left, coming out of the Democrat Party, about the impact of crime, that crime is having, A, on all Americans, but B, most specifically, on black Americans and people living in the inner city who they claim to be so concerned about. Well, there's a reason for that. Because the left and the Democrat Party really do not care about black people. Now let me say that again, because some people may find that harsh. And, and I've talked to folks who, who have moved to my point of view on this, who said that they in, initially upon hearing me thought, oh, well, he's off the wall, he's crazy, he's, you know, and then they ultimately, the, the, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Ultimately, the evidence kept piling up and they realized, you know what, E.W. Jackson's right. So when I say they don't care, people say, no, wait, wait a minute, that, that's going a bit far. But it's the absolute truth. They don't care about the lives of black people. They don't care about the well-being of black people. They don't care about the well-being of women. They don't care about the well-being of any group that they choose to, to, to adopt as a victim group. They care about the power to shape our culture and our society and our laws and our future. That's what they care about. And to the extent that anything contributes to that agenda, then they exalt it, they lift it up. Uh, they want everybody to say, oh, look at this, look at this. But to the extent that it does not, they could care less. The number of black folks killed in confrontations with police pales in significance to the number of black people killed in confrontations with criminals by several orders of magnitude. 
in 2020, 2020, I believe it was, close to 10,000, I think the exact number is 9,983, but close to 10,000 black people murdered in our country, murdered in inner city violence. 2,500 increase over 2019. And we expect the numbers to be larger. And it takes, takes months sometimes after a year is over. So we don't have the numbers for 2021 yet. At least I have not found them. If you, if you know what they are, please feel free to send them to me. Um, but I, I have not been able to find them yet. And I think in part because they don't really want people to know the numbers because the numbers are probably horrendous. And you would think, given an increase of 2,500 more black people murdered than the year before, not by police officers, not by white supremacists, not by Ku Klux Klansmen, but by people in their own communities, criminals who perhaps in most cases ought to be, not only perhaps, but in most cases, ought to be in jail, should not have been released, and yet they are released to go out and prey on more innocent people. I've told you all the number we've got now is 291 innocent children murdered since 2020. 291 innocent children. Three months old, I think, is the youngest. But three months old, five months old, two years old, three years old, five years old, ten years old. In Chicago on October 15th, we're going to be laying out that case, chronicling the scourge that is taking place in the community that most people are not even aware of. Because when I share that number with people, in fact, we've got a whole gallery with all the pictures of all the children, their names, the dates they were murdered. We've got a whole gallery called the Gallery of Forgotten Children because it's ignored. One murder here or there might get highlighted. Oh, yeah, that was terrible. Five-year-old killed. But, the, but nobody's connecting the dots and saying this is not just an episodic issue. This is a national plague now. And yet nobody pays any attention to it because they don't care. They don't care about innocent children being murdered. They don't care about black people being murdered. They don't care about anything with regard to, to destabilizing uh, communities, to, to lawlessness, um, fear, uh, pe people being terrorized. They don't care about any of that because it does not help their agenda. Which is why one police killing, justified or not, gets, uh, it's, it's as if that's the only thing that ever happened in life and that's all that ever happens to black people. That's magnified, and you got thousands over here that are ignored. Thousands. On an average, and I think the numbers have been declining, but let's just say what the average has been the last time I checked this. On average, about 250 black people are, are killed in confrontations with police every year, about twice as many whites. Uh, yeah, I think about, about 500 whites, about 250 blacks and about a thousand people all told, okay? You got a million police officers um, patrolling our streets in our cities, 330 million people, and a thousand may seem like a big number, but think about it, 330 million people, uh, about two-thirds of those people, adults, so let's just call it 200 million adults, a million police officers. When you think about it, those numbers, and by the way, keep in mind, those numbers are in light of about 10 million arrests a year. 10 million arrests. Out of 10 million arrests, about 1,000 
people end up being killed in confrontations with police officers. 10 million, 10% would be a million. If 10% and okay, that'd be a million people. Whoa, huh, man, that's a big number. 1%, 100,000. 100,000 would be 1%. You know what that, you know what 1,000 is? One hundredth of one percent. One hundredth of one percent. About 30% of those people or less, 25%. So now you're talking about one quarter of one hundredth of one percent of the people arrested in our country annually are black folks who end up murdered forgive me, I shouldn't use the term murdered, but end up dead in confrontations with police because most of these are not murders. They're justifiable homicides because the police officers are defending, the, defending their own lives and the lives of others. So then if you eliminate those, now you're getting down to a percent of a quarter of a, of a percent of one hundredth of a percent. I mean, that's why I say it. The numbers of people who are killed at the hands of police, while I know not personally insignificant because every person's life real, does really matter, but they are statistically insignificant. I'll tell you what's not statistically insignificant. 10,000 black people murdered every year. 10,000, that's the last number we got, close to 10,000. I'll tell you what's not also statistically insignificant, but is also not something that anybody wants to talk about. And yet somebody needs to, or I should say most people don't want to talk about because I do, I want to talk about it. <sighs> Crime is disproportionately an activity of black men. Now, if I were white saying that, they'd say, oh, he's a racist. He's claimed the black. No, I'm a black man who wants something better for black people. And we're never going to get there unless we deal with the problem at hand and face it squarely. And the reality is, just had two big stories from Memphis. This woman murdered out on an early morning run and now we got four people murdered, apparently, in the early morning hours of today. Both of those things committed by young black men. Now, look, you can dismiss this stuff as racist, but see, this is why they don't want to talk about this. Because they don't want to solve the problem, because they're too busy in their thirst and their quest for power over people. And keeping black people in this sort of victimization mentality and this dependent state, just like the old Democrat Party did it through slavery, the new Democratic Party is doing it through mental and emotional slavery, means that you never ever confront the real problem. You've got to confront something that allows you to point the finger at racism and keep black people saying, yeah, that's right, we're victims. We're victims of racism. That's what it is. I mean, the reality is most black folks, particularly if they live in the inner city, have virtually no chance of ever being killed in a confrontation with police officers and have a far disproportionate chance of being killed 
were murdered by criminal. I think the last time I looked at the number, a black man was nine times more likely to be murdered than a white guy. And of course, 95% of murders of black people are committed by other black people. And people say, yeah, yeah, but that's true demographically. We know most white people are murdered by other white people. Yeah, but the statistical occurrence of those murders is far less frequent for other people in other demographic groups. Now let's stop kidding ourselves here. And people want to dismiss that. They don't even want, I've, I've, I've been on shows where I bring it up and they, I've actually, they kicked me off of, a, of, a, of an interview on CNN when I brought this up. Oh, we, we, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. And they just kind of dismissed me from the program because that's not what they want to hear. Because you see, black lives really do matter to me, but they don't really matter to them. They don't really, black lives don't matter to black lives matter. Communism matters to them. Marxism matters to them. Black lives don't matter to the Democrat party. Power matters to them. Their agenda, their far left agenda matters to them. So, so, Bishop Jackson, how in the world does this relate to, to our study of history? Uh, yeah, I, I, I love this country so much. And, and to tell you the truth, the more I study American history, the more I fall in love with America. I mean it. Because here again, we're, we're not living in heaven right now. And so we have to see America in light of the world in which America exists. And you name me another country that was founded on this principle. The founding fathers believed this. In fact, let me quote John Adams. He said, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate for the government of any other. Our founding fathers believed that freedom required virtue because the, the principle of self-governance says in effect this, you don't need despotism, you don't need dictatorship, you don't need monarchy to govern and control your life because you are self-governing. And what government should be doing is simply protecting you from the predators that would use force and criminal behavior to rob you, abuse you, murder you. Government should protect you from that so that you don't have to take the law into your own hands. And government should be doing those things for us that we as individuals cannot do for ourselves. We, we, I can't go out and build a road. I don't have the ability to do that, and yet we need roads. So, so our government comes together and represents us collectively to do those things that we cannot do on our own. And we allow government to collect money from our income in order to do those things that we all agree need to be done. But government is not our, our nanny 
Government is not our controller. Government is our servant. And, and, and our virtue as, as citizens of this constitutional republic is supposed to be reflected by our government. And our government is supposed to honor the virtue of the American people. So no, you don't have to tell me you shall not steal. I mean, not that, not that that should not be against the law, it is. But, but for the most part, I don't need the government up in my face because my moral code tells me not to steal. And I don't want to steal from my neighbor. I don't want to take what doesn't belong to me. That is just as foundational to who we are as a nation as is the, the, the belief that our rights and freedoms come from Almighty God, not from the beneficent hand of some president or potentate or dictator or tyrant or, or despot or, or, or Congress or anybody else. That our rights, our liberties, fundamentally, are the grant of Almighty God. And government's job is to protect what God has given us. Just as that is fundamental to who we are as a nation, the left wants to do away with that. The Democrat, Democrat Party doesn't like that. They'd like to throw out the Declaration of Independence, frankly, because it was written by a slaveholder. I don't know how, how stupid can you be? I mean, you want to you go through and, and figure out every scientific breakthrough um, and what the attitudes, the racial attitudes, the social attitudes, of the people were who gave us those breakthroughs, and if we don't like their backgrounds, we don't like their attitudes, let's just throw out what they had to say. We don't need the laws of thermodynamics if the people who came up with the laws of thermodynamics who discovered those laws were racist or they were, they were, not, they were not as pristine in their attitudes. We don't need those laws. I mean, that's just stupid. Because we know that there's been no human being that's been perfect and yet there have been human beings who have created, who, who have tr contributed tremendously to the well-being of humanity while, while at the same time being flawed in their character in one or more ways. Because that's the nature of life. Listen, if God didn't use sinners to move us forward, there wouldn't be any le anybody left because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But our founding fathers understood that the American people should practice virtue. That's been thrown out. Look, I just got finished watching a documentary um, on people on death row. It, it, was, it was fascinating. But the persons telling the story invariably in every single case they told a background of abuse broken families molestation uh, chaos abandonment uh, you name it every negative thing imaginable had happened to most of these people there were a couple of rare exceptions but most of them horrendous backgrounds and the storyteller was make, making this point what do you expect this person would do given that background well the reality is there are people with bad backgrounds doing wonderful things all over this country 
but when people do things that are considered bad, society tends to race to understand what they did and put it in the context of their circumstances and it tends to evoke compassion in us because you look at that person and say, well, raised differently, born into a different circumstance, that person probably would have had a different outcome in life. And yet, while we will justify murderers and rapists and you name it, we look at the founding fathers because in the context of their time, slavery existed and some of them participated in it. We look at them and condemn them for all time as people who are worthless and people we don't need to pay any attention to because they're ridiculous. And yet these people, even within the context of that pernicious practice, which was done all over the world, they brought to this country qualities of virtue and honor and nobility and decency and foresightedness and vision and courage and sacrifice in order to give us the legacy that we now have. And I'll tell you something, we better get back to those principles because what the, what the, what the left primarily is telling these young black men is the, the police are against you, the country's against you, the, the, the nation's racist, they hate you as a black man, you might as well fight and die because what's the point? I mean, that's really the, 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 the fatalistic message that they're giving. It's not the message I was taught. I was taught God has given you life. He's given you talents, gifts, abilities. Your job is to go out there and make the most of what God has given you. I believe that's what the founding fathers would say. That's what everything that they, they stood for said. Make the most of what God has given you. That's what, in effect, the Declaration of Independence says. You have the right to what? Pursue happiness. And by the way, when they said pursue happiness, they didn't do every profligate, they didn't mean do every profligate thing imaginable. They weren't thinking of drag queen story hour, I tell you that. They were thinking of doing virtuous, honorable things. In other words, fulfilling your God-given potential the potential that you are allowed to fulfill in the context of the gifts of freedom and rights that God himself has given you so that you can carry out his plan and purposes for your life. George Washington said, if I can find that quote, I'll, I'll give it to you verbatim, but George Washington said that anybody who believes that America can prosper without religion and morality should not call himself a patriot. That's how strong that was. Should not call himself a patriot. Here it is. Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness, these firmest props of the duties of men and citizens. That's what our founding fathers believed. And we're raising up people to, to act like animals and justifying it. And here again, if, if I were not a black man myself, and I'll get my share of a program for even saying this, pointing out that 
there, there are influence, influences coming primarily from the left, organizations like Black Lives Matter, the Democrat Party, and others, that encourage young black men to act like animals rather than acting like human beings and justifying them in it. See, I'd be called a racist for saying that, but it's the truth. And by the way, this is a very small percentage of the black population and a very small percentage of black men, but they are setting the tone for what black young black men do because every single day their pictures are thrown up on the news for some heinous crime they've committed. The total population of black men in America is about 6%, and yet black men are responsible for 52% of the murders. And here again, that 50% is not being committed by the entire 6%. It's being committed by probably 10% or less of that 6%. But instead of wanting to serve all the law-abiding people, the kids who are trying to go to school, the people who are trying to work for a living, the people trying to take care of their families, the people trying to get along with their neighbors, the people who just want to build a life for themselves, build a business, do something constructive. Instead of focusing on those folks and what they're doing, we're too busy justifying the thugs and the, and the criminals and the ne'er-do-wells who are making life practically impossible for everybody else. I'll tell you what, they can tear down the statues of Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and James Madison and, and Thomas Jefferson all they want, but they will never be able to take away the, the priceless legacy that they've left us that built the greatest nation in the, human, in, in, in the, the annals of human history. And honoring and celebrating that history can only do us good. And denigrating and perverting and, and polemicizing that history, teaching our people to hate their country and really to hate one another, can only lead to our destruction. It is societal suicide. So we need to pray for America because we desperately need prayer and we need to make sure that we get out and vote for people who are going to uphold the principles upon which this nation was founded rather than espousing this Marxist socialist leftist viewpoint that only leads to our destruction because that's what it's done to every society that embraced it. And by the way, that's what it will ultimately do to the communist Chinese. They can, they can play around with capitalism all they want, but they are fundamentally a godless, atheist, communist dictatorship, and it will ultimately collapse on itself. It will fall because it's not founded on the rock. And America will only stand if we remain founded on the rock. And that rock is Jesus and the principles that he has taught us. We are a Judeo-Christian country. We are a Christian culture. And if we remain that, the future is bright. If we let the left take that away from us, America is doomed. It's just that plain and simple. I don't believe that America is doomed because I believe the truth is more powerful than lies. I believe that righteousness is more powerful than wickedness. And I know that God is more powerful by infinite orders of magnitude than the devil. And I know that we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side.